0: What's going on, Philly fans? It's your man Cave Mark coming at you with another episode of the Eagles on Podcast. Oh man, today, today, these doggone Eagles, man, they are stressing the heck out of me. Right now, um, today, they stand at zero, 2, and one. They tied last week with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, this is the second. This is the second time in three meetings that we've tied the Bengals. Um, there was a tie back in two thousand eight where. Our quarterback at that time, Donovan McNabb, indicated that he did not know that there was an overtime. This time around, uh, I'm pretty sure everybody knew that there was an overtime, but somehow, some someway, um, we ended up tying once again with the Cincinnati Bengals. So, um, basically, during the show, um, we're going to be t- um, just kind of reviewing the last week's game between the Bengals. Um, I'll um, just kind of give you like my my analysis and kind of just kind of give you um, things on, from my point of view and why Dougie P did not kick kick the ball. Oh man, Dougie P, Dougie P, we definitely need to have a, a little conversation here. Um, well, I'll, I'll also will be talking about um, previewing um, this week's game between the San Francisco 49ers. that will be on Sunday night on NBC, as well as I will I have a special guest. Um the 49ers senior um team reporter Keanu Martin. She'll be st- uh, she'll be stopping by for a brief moment to talk about the, the Niners and their injuries concerns. So with that being said, hey, just sit back, enjoy the ride. Hey, let's get to it. Okay, so looking at the game last week between the Eagles and Bengals, um, this was a game, honestly, the Eagles. <sighs> They play they they could have easily lost this game because honestly, the way I look at this team, I'm very critical of them and the way they play because the fact of the matter is I know how well that this team can play, and I've seen them operate on on at peak efficiency at times, however, just this is kinda like kind of like the same story, different different verse. With this season, um, inconsistencies, a lot of lapses, both mentally and physically, on both on offense, offense and defense. Right now, it's just not happening for him. It really isn't. Um, you can like, you can me start at the head of the team, Carson Wentz. Um, just looking at the way that he played on um, on Sunday, it was a very up and down performance. Um, he rushed for a touchdown. Threw a touchdown, but also had two very bad interceptions. I know one that he threw to—he was trying to hit Deshaun Jackson in the middle of the field on a short pass, and the linebacker just clearly read his eyes and jumped and jumped the pass and picked it off. That stalled, and then a few drives later, he tried to hit Zach Ertz on the out route, um, but the, the but the safety jumped it and picked it off, and. Pretty much right now, it's one of those things where I think Carson knows that he's playing bad because you can see he kind of had, like, that look on his face. I mean, and I've seen some people, there were like, why is he always smiling after he throws a pick? And honestly, what it's one of those things where I don't think he's smiling just to think it's funny. I think it's just one of those things like, can you – you can't – I can't believe that this is another pick. And it's just one of those things where you're kind of just – kind of just – overthinking and thinking just self-analyzing and to the point where yeah you're just kind of like i can't believe that this just happened and honestly i'm not gonna lie i've done that too when making mistakes at work and i just sit back and i just like you gotta be kidding me but uh one of the things that i did like though from his performance was the fact that he started to use his legs a lot more than he has um, the first couple games and even some, even going back to last season, um, you really didn't see him use his mobility a lot. I don't know if it was the fact that I think really, you know, I think what it, what it is, what it was is that I think he was just more in survival mode and just trying to find a way to win the game. And he saw that, hey, look, if someone's not open, hey. Just dart out there and, and let's just and let's just get some positive yards. And that's actually something that I I love when Carson does that. I Also like when the uh, when Doug and them they 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 draw plays to get Carson out of the pocket. And that's when he's at his best. He can extend plays. He can break the defense down. And honestly, I mean, he he's more of a playmaker. And that's when Carson is at his best. Uh, one of the things that. Then, um, like I said, mean, going back to his mobility, I was definitely concerned that, I mean, the la his during like the first couple weeks, just his lack of mobility and the fact that Doug and they they just really wasn't getting him out the pocket as much. Um, I was I was kind of laughing a little bit on one of those runs when Carson was running uh, towards the sideline. He kind of looked like you know how I don't know if you've seen like one of those um, baby um, like when the like one of the animals like a like a let's say a baby giraffe was born i mean they come out kind of wobbly that's kind of how carson was running during one of those runs but um one of the things that i mean i was definitely concerned about especially with carson was the fact that he missed once again i mean he it, it was still like the inaccuracies in his passes um there were some that where he missed too high some where he he hit too low I do know that he missed Miles Sanders twice for potential touchdowns. I know one was in the second quarter. He Miles was lined up against a linebacker, and then another time in overtime, um, he missed him for which would could would have definitely either a won the game or b definitely put them in field goal range to to win it. But once again, he kind of overthrew so. Oh, man, that's is one of those things where he and I think really cars he's at at this point. He's not going to be one of the more prolific passers like a like a Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers where he hits like 70 percent, 70, 75 percent of his passes. That's not that's that's not him. I think really what it is, is, I mean, he's he he uses like whatever mobility he has to extend plays as well as get out. Like I said, just getting out the pocket. As well as he does have a strong, um a pretty strong arm and his just his uh, his ability to make something make something out of nothing definitely kind of sets him apart, but it's just one of the things where at this point in time it's just everything's just not fully clicking. So um one of another concerns that I had about the game was the lack of involvement of, of uh with Miles Sanders. Um the Bengals came in with a very putrid rushing defense. Um, today, uh, well, Sunday, uh, last Sunday was, would have been one of those times where you feed the ball to Miles Sanders. You give him the ball 20 to 25 times, both rushing and receiving, to take the pressure off, off, your, off your quarterback who's struggling. I mean, that's just one of the things that I was taught with with um, with football is that, hey, when your quarterback is struggling, give him something cheap. Lean on the running game. I remember when um, when Donovan McNabb... Um, was with the Eagles, and there are times when he was struggling. He was struggling. Um, one of the things Andy Reid did was turn the ball over to Brian Westbrook and allow Westbrook to kind of take take control of the offense. But it's just one of those things where uh, definitely kind of gives uh, kind of um makes you question a lot of the coaching decisions because, like I said, I mean, with Carson struggling, I mean, you would suspect. Um, Doug Peterson to force feed the Bengals uh, a heavy dose of Miles Sanders. Uh, one of the things that, especially going back to Doug, is that, and honestly, great coach. I really appreciate what he what he's done for the Eagles franchise it's definitely, and definitely with bringing them their first Lombardi trophy. One of the things that I've had concerns with Doug is that he has a little bit of that Andy Reid syndrome a bit where, at times he will forget about the run. Uh, I do remember when Andy was in Philadelphia, um, it would be one of those things where it will be a 70, 30, um, pass to run ratio, which was definitely not anywhere near a balanced offense. I think really today, I, I really think Carson really needs a nice, healthy balance of run and pass just to one, a, get him comfortable, B, um, cut down on the mistakes. Um, Another concern coming out of um, last week's game was the defense. And true, one of the th- and one of the things about the defense, they're they're 29th in points um, given up, which is horrible. I mean, they're they're averaging 29 points per game given up, which is which is horrible as well as. But they're also number five in total defense. Which is exceptional because they're not giving up the yardage, but teams are still scoring from it but what i I attribute that to is the offense kind of putting them in some bad positions with turnovers and things like that so and coming out of that Bengals game, they did get eight sacks, however, you would think now like especially like with the rules the way they are to where. Even just get the get your hand on the ball, get a strip sack or something. the The D line has to force some turnovers, especially against a rookie, a rookie QB back there. I remember when they faced uh, the Jets last year. Uh, I can't remember the quarterback that they played. I know it wasn't Sam Darnold. I can't remember his name, but they 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 got I think ten or eleven sacks on them, caused a number of fumbles, and also a pick six. This time around, they yes, they did get the fumbles, but they didn't get the ball on the ground. I mean, now it's like it's like one of the times, especially when the offense struggling, the defensive line they definitely have to focus on stripping the football, getting some turnovers, some strip sacks, just something to kind of put uh, give the the offense a short field. And especially now with all these injuries that's going that's going to happen with the wide receiver and tight end position, the defense definitely has to make a way to get the ball in uh, on a short field to the offense, but yeah, turnovers is, is, is key. And that's like the, in the old, the old adage of football more than likely if you win the turnover battle, you're going to win the game. I mean, more times out of more times than not. Um Also looking at the, um, the Eagles defense, one of the things that, I mean, they definitely did struggle with, um, two of the Bengals' wide receivers, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Um, T. Higgins had um, two touchdowns. Tyler Boyd had over 100 yards receiving, if I, if I remember correctly. And and pretty much I mean, A.J. Green was pretty much I mean, what's pretty much left of A.J. Green? He was pretty much shut down by Darius Slay. But overall, like I said, I mean, for of me, the defense I mean. If I had to give them a scale of one to ten right now, I'd say maybe they're playing about a six right now. Um, there's definitely a lot of room for for improvement. Um, shifting back to the offense, one of um, another topic of concern is Jason Peters. Yes, Hall of uh, future Hall of Famer Jason Peters. <sighs> Honestly, I, I think it's time for him to go. I mean he's it's it's time innocence. uh it's like that old adage i mean it's time to take that old dog out to the to to the backwoods and and have him have him smell the roses while you you got the shotgun and get ready to take him out I, it's it's time for Doug to take him out because right now the way that he's he's he played he's been playing the first three games of the season he's he's definitely done more harm than good i mean and and you hate to say that because, I mean, for what he's done for the franchise as being, quote unquote, the bodyguard, arguably one of the greatest ta- um, left tackles in the league. And he he was, in looking at the way he played on Sunday, I mean, he was a turnstop. I mean, he, he allowed Carson to get s- uh, sacked um, a couple times as well as hit multiple times. And honestly, it could just be one of those things where it's just age and attrition is definitely has taken its toll. And you saw that in overtime. I mean, he got injured. Um, He was he, he kind of got banged up and kind of holding his leg. And Doug Peterson kind of threw him under the bus in, in a sense and said that, oh, Jason was just tired and which definitely raises some concern is like, dude, you're tired and your team is trying to drive to win the game, and you tap out, come on now, come on, come on. And like I said, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, hey, I mean, Jason Peters, like I said, he's done a lot for this organization. But honestly, in my mind, and especially from the crap that he pulled during the offseason, where he kind of low-key held the team hostage um, when, they, when they asked him to move from uh, from guard to tackle, He was like, no, he said, I'm not doing it until you guys pay me a little bit, pay me, uh, give me a little bump on my salary. And of course, I mean, with the injury to Andre Dillard, I mean, they were pretty much forced into doing it. But right now, I mean, with what they're getting on their investment has been pure bull. And yeah, honestly, I mean, and I've seen like on social media that a lot of fans are definitely kind of turning their kind of turned their back on Jason Peters. And honestly, I mean, it's just maybe one of those things where, hey, you know what, what, Philly, you guys definitely took just take your L on that one and just kind of move on. And that's one of the things that, I mean, over the past three or four years, I've been kind of harping on, hey, look, let's invest in our offensive line. Let's rebuild this offensive line. I mean, Jason Peters is getting up there in age. You also got Jason Kelsey, who – from time to time, it's and on retirement, and you never really know where he's going to be, where his mind is going to be. Come this off season, you got Lane Johnson, who at, at any point in time can get hit with um, with another suspension for PEDs. And this time, I mean, I he can be he can be if if he gets caught again. I mean, he can be suspended for a while. And I'm not talking about just the rest of this season. This could go into maybe next year, maybe the year after. It just really depends. So that's the thing is that that's the one of the main points the Eagles really need to do come this offseason season is really address this offensive line because honestly Andre Dillard is not the answer. Um, he he just doesn't seem to have that fire that an offensive lineman needs to succeed in this league as well as I mean you got. You got Wisniewski, who's on IR. Uh, I do like this kid Drisco uh, that they drafted this season. I do like him. He seem he seems he seems to kind of have an understanding of what to do and how to do it. I know he's a little bit banged up now, but I definitely I'm definitely want to see more of this kid in the starting lineup to see maybe see and maybe like maybe come back maybe about four or five weeks from now see how his progression has gotten. So. Um, the biggest issue that I had going um, from last week's game was the end of overtime because at that point in time, the Eagles had drove pretty deep into Bangal um, on drove, drove into Bengals territory. Now, Jake Elliott has a very strong leg. Mind you, this is the same Jake Elliott that booted a 60, I uh, believe a 63 yard field goal during our super bowl run against the giants to win that game. And, they they got kind of they they got into his range a little bit. Um, matter of fact, I think they got to like about the 30, I can't I can't really remember like the 30 some yard line. However, there was a holding call against Lane Johnson, and so they were getting ready to line up to kick the game, um kick the game winning field goal. Then another um another offensive alignment jumped. For a false start, which since was pretty much bag, which pretty much was pretty much touching where, which I believe would have been a sixty-five yard field goal if I remember correctly. And honestly, at this point, I'm thinking like, you know what, Doug, let's just go for it. Hey, you know what, you got a strong kicker, a strong leg kicker, and um, Jake Elliott. I mean, it was a very, I and mean, from what I was, um, what I saw with the weather report, it was a very warm a very warm sun, um, Sunday game day. So the the ball definitely would have carried. I believe he would have gotten there. It was just more of like, would he have had the accuracy to actually bang between um, the two goal posts? So like I say, I'm sitting there waiting. Like, all right, Doug's going to just call him out. Let's just go for it. And, you know what, might as well. We got about 19 seconds left in overtime. And my thought process was like, look, by the time the ball snap, it takes about, Clock starts with the ball is snapped, so roughly about seven, eight seconds will come off the um will come off the clock if he if he miss if he somehow misses. So I'm thinking like alright, he's gonna boot this field goal. No, 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 no. Doug brings out the punting unit, and I'm just like, what? You got to be kidding me. Nope. Doug punts the ball, and I think at that point, Doug just, he's like, no, at this time, I'm just going to just settle for overtime, so yeah, the Bengals get the ball, they pretty much run out the clock, the game ends in a tie, I was very disappointed in Doug, because this is the same man that called the Philly special at the goal line during the Super Bowl against the Patriots of all, of all teams. It's like, dude, I mean he 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 wasn't called big ball Doug for nothing. Like, dude, go for it. And then you he had the nerve to write a book that Super Bowl year called Fearless. Come on, Doug, man. Show that show that fearlessness. And then by him, by him passing on the field goal, that definitely showed that he didn't have the A the confidence that Jay could have gotten him there. B, they also showed that he didn't have confidence in his defense. I think, honestly, I think me personally, if that would have been me as head coach, number one, first thing I I would know, like, know Hey, let's go for the field goal. If we don't, hey, defense got to hold. Number two, I would have had Carson. Hey, look, I would have had Carson. Look, hey, look, uh, let's 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 see if we can maybe make a play. Maybe we can get those yardage, get that yardage back. We just got to get up there and spike it or try to get something to the sidelines. If not, you know what, then, hey, let's just, let's dump the ball off. Let's just dump the ball off in the flat to Miles. Hey, let's just get something to where we can on fourth down where we can just kind of push the Bengals back a little bit just so, hey, look, they don't have a chance to win the game. Then, like I said, I mean, matter of fact, you know, yeah, pun- punting would, was, wouldn't not have been in the equation for me because the simple fact of the matter is, hey, like Herman was saying, you play to win the game. And like I say, just by Doug just putting the ball away, like I said, that he just didn't show the confidence in his team to come through with um, with what he wanted them to do. And that's a very telling sign. And that's not good, especially in a season where it kinda like kind of have like a had like a trump cater off season. And to the point where, yeah, there was no training camp, and you guys are pretty much starting from Lily started. You guys are start, only have only started only been together for what about three weeks now. So, uh, it's just one of those things right now with this squad that's really frustrating. And one of the things that um, I definitely wanted to get into, and this is a, this is a topic that. Has kind of been flown in, um, flowing in my mind over the this past week is has Doug lost his voice with the ball club? Um, it's a lot that's kind of transpired with this team. Um, are they really taking? Are they are they actually listening to him? Because I mean, and you're starting to see like maybe like little cracks on the foundation, such as I mean, you I've I've never seen. On the injury report, somebody sitting out because of rest. And you're seeing that with Fletcher Cox. You're seeing that with Deshaun Jackson, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson. It's like, my thing is, though, the only way you improve as a football player is to actually play football. And that, and that includes practice, games. I mean, you learn and you get better through repetition. And that's really what a lot of football is, is repetition. Uh, repetition. So I'm very concerned on Doug and his voice with the, um, in the locker room. And is it being, is it, is it in a sense kind of being muted? Um, Bill Parcell once said, to I me, mean, every coach has a shelf life and really are we near the end of Doug Peterson's shelf life? Because one of the thing, another thing that's definitely concerning is, and I harped on it last week is the play calling. Um, Doug has, in a sense, been kind of stubborn with his offense. Uh, there's a lot of times where, I mean, like I said, like I stated earlier, he has to be reminded that hey, there is the running game. Let's utilize the running game. Like I said, I me mean, unfortunately, he, he comes from the Andy Reid tree of coaching. So, yeah, there's a lot. There are times where <laughs> the running game is can is often ignored. Which, like I said, I mean, which definitely can um, definitely hinder your quarterback. So um and definitely also the fact of the matter is I mean a lot of the play calling has could has is pretty much been maybe may caught on by a lot of these teams. Because I mean see teams see what you've been doing and they're able to game plan on certain formations and plays. And really I mean has I really haven't really seen any any, any new twists and turns to the offense. I mean, like I said, when you look at what Kyle Shanahan is doing in San Francisco, you got to look at what, um, like, Sean McVay's doing and some of these younger coaches. And like I say, right now, I think Doug is just stuck on the West Coast offense where, I mean, you can see, like, his predecessor, his um, Andy Reid, I mean, you see what he's doing with Kansas City. I mean, like I said, mean, he has those wide receivers with uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, Miko uh, um, um, Hartman Miko Hartman, and stuff like that. I mean, true, it doesn't hurt to have Patrick Mahomes, but the fact of the matter is, I mean, he's opened up the playbook and he's doing a lot of twists and turns and that kind of keeps defenses off balance. And I think if Doug really needs to Kind of be mindful of some of these plays and maybe try to add it add it to his um, repertoire. I know a lot of these owners and GMs they're looking they and that's where they're looking more like at uh, some of the younger coaches or maybe some of these coaches from the college ranks because they're able to bring that dynamic into an actual NFL um, offense. Um, it's not not just the play calling that definitely concerns me. It is once again. Um, we definitely have injuries. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like these injuries continue to ravage our football team, and yeah, it's it's frustrating because I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, like the town that's on the sidelines, I mean, it could def, it could definitely help our squad. I mean, and I'm look at Marquise Goodwin. Um, he actually opted he actually opted out of uh of of this NFL season due to COVID. But like I said, you also have Deshaun Jackson who has a hamstring injury. You have J.J. Arthego Whiteside that even though um, he did play us, he did play some snaps on uh, on Sunday, but he has an injury. And you definitely saw like before the game that there was like a little meeting with J.J. Um, the team. Um, the team strength and conditioning coaches, the um one of the medical staff members, and Howie roseman. And yeah, he had a, he had a lower body injury. You also have Avante Maddox who was injured. Um, like I said earlier, Jason Peters. Um, he went on short-term um, um injury reserve. Then on top of that, I mean Dallas Goddard, he's out with the ankle with a uh, small fracture in the ankle. And then also Alshon Jeffrey, who's who should be back next week for the Pittsburgh game, but I mean he's been out since um, December when he hurt, him. he injured his um, the Liz Frank injury in his foot against the Giants on last year on Monday Night Football. So it's a lot of injuries going on with this football team, and really this this is going to be really up to Carson Wentz. Um, I mean basically, I mean it's going to. Uh, it's going to be pretty much the back is going to be in a sense, like the battle of backup players and and reserve players. I mean, this is kind of what the Eagles were faced with um, towards the end of last season, just due to the injuries where they kind of relied on uh, Greg Ward, Deontay Burnett, um, Miles Sanders, Zach Hertz, Dallas Goddard. But I mean, but for the most part, um, they just relied on a lot of the young, um, the young, inexperienced players and it helped. And basically, once again, they're, they're going to be thrust into action on Sunday to help this team, um, try to get a victory and get off this, this, this snide. So this week, the Philadelphia Eagles, they'll they'll be traveling to the Bay Area to face the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday night football. Um, this is a very huge game for both teams. Um uh, the Niners they've come um they're coming off two straight victories over the Jets and Giants in New York. Um that also um accompanied by a loss during opening weekend um uh, at home to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh right now the Niners, just like our Eagles, they're pretty banged up right now. Um they're missing um like I say, yeah, Jimmy G, Raheem Moster, uh, Nick um Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, uh, D. Ford, Richard Sherman, George Reed, um, George Kittle, and Debo Samuel are supposed to be back um, um, this week. Um, we'll get we'll get further confirmation from their team reporter a little bit later on. Um, in terms of the Eagles, of course, um, like I said, I mean we're we're dealing with our own injuries right now. In terms of our game plan, honestly, in my opinion. I mean the Niners. They they still boast a solid defense. Um, like I said, despite them missing their their talented front line, they still have a um, a very good scheme, as well as um solid linebackers and a secondary that's willing to to mix it up. I think for the Eagles in terms of their game plan, I really think they need to simplify it a little bit to kind of help Carson. Um, they need to once again they need to roll them out of the pocket. And as well as lean on the running game, I really feel that this, this unfortunately, it wasn't like this last week because, like I said I me, mean, Miles, Miles should have had a lot more touches because, I mean, he just had 94, I think, on 11-12 uh, carries, if I remember correctly. But this game right here needs to be a Miles Sanders game. He has to step up both running and receiving. Um, definitely get the ball to Zach Ertz. I think, um, I think Zach, um, definitely has the ability to get open against this team. Um, like I said, I mean, pass rush should not really be an issue because like I said, um, like I said, like they're, they're missing a lot of, they're missing their, like their talented defensive linemen. But, um, one of the things that I saw that the Niners, they they do have depth that can, that can definitely kind of cause some trouble. And like I said, um, yeah, I think really also limiting turnovers. Um, Right now, I mean, we have the Eagles, they have six so far, and that's not going to get it done. That's definitely not going to get it done. One of the things that um, on defense um, is – the Eagles, I mean, they they they're very they they play the run very well. They definitely need to uh, to continue that. Because one of the things the Niners, they're they're very good balance they're they're they try they play balanced football. And so yeah, they like to kind of mix it up with the run and pass. One of the matchups that's going to be crucial is George Kittle in his return against Nate Jerry, TJ Edwards, and the in the Eagles linebackers. Right now, the Eagles linebackers are severely struggling, and this goes back to once again them not making the investment in their linebackers that they should they they should be doing. I mean, they're they're not putting the the appropriate draft capital into the linebacking position. They're not um, getting linebackers out of the free out of free agency. It's kind of like they're just allowing. The uh, the linebackers to just kind of wither away in a sense, and right now, like I said, in matchups against the tight end that's definitely gonna hurt them. I mean, you saw that um, last week with uh, with the Rams and Tyler Higbee. he he torched them for three touchdowns. The Redskins, Logan Thomas, their uh, their tight end, got them for a touchdown, and so now you think about it, shoot, you get George Kittle out there, man, he's gonna he's gonna light these linebackers up. And what's going to be hard is that, I mean, unfortunately, you can't put Darius Slay on him because Darius Slay, he's an excellent cover corner. However, he's not the best tackler, and he is nowhere has nowhere near the strength that George Kittle has. And so it's going to be a mismatch because if they try to put Slay on him, George Kittle is just going to body him up. And if they put a linebacker, they put linebackers on him. He's gonna, he's gonna beat, he's gonna beat them with ease. Oh, and right now for I me, mean, especially with the Eagles defense, I mean, right and like, um, like I said earlier, I mean, they're they they're giving up an average of twenty nine points per game, which is twenty third in the league. However, but they're fifth in total defense, and like I said, that goes back once again back to the offense putting the defense in some uncompromising positions. So, like I said, that's just one of the things that they definitely need to show uh, to shore up with this team. Um, they're playing um, Nick Mullins. This will be I believe this will be the first time they've actually seen him. And one of the things I'm pretty sure Kyle Shanahan is going to do is definitely going to simplify and make sure that um, that he's comfortable. He's going to kind of get him get him some short passes and get him some things that he's comfortable with. Um, but, yeah, um, this is. Um this is a critical game for the Eagles. They really need this game to to kind of keep even though like the division is on the on the downward spiral right now because only the Cow um the Cowboys and the Redskins have only won a game, but they both have suffered devastating losses. And if somehow if the Eagles can win this game and if let's say Dallas and Washington loses, I mean the Eagles are pretty much like a half game out of first place. Just looking, just and that just shows how toxic turvy this NFL season is. Um, one of the things that I wanted to also give you guys is my fantasy. Um, give you guys like my fantasy updates on Eagles players on and or who they should play. Um, in terms of on offense, I think Carson. Um, I don't think Carson Wentz. He, right now, he's not really trustworthy to start. If you got him, sit him on the bench. Um, really the only player that you should be starting is Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz. Now, if you have a deeper lead, I would suggest maybe, maybe, and if you like kind of just, you're just desperate for a wide receiver, I would definitely say take a fire out on, um, Greg Ward because like I said, I mean, there's no Deshaun, there's no Alshon, no J.J. white J. whiteside um, no Jalen Rager out there. You know I mean? He's going to, by me, aside from Ertz, Greg Ward is going to see a lot of targets. So if you play like in a PPR league or just any fantasy football league, I mean, I think Greg Ward is a nice piece to have on your on your roster. So that's just my opinion. Um, In terms of predictions, I mean, it would be really easy to say the Niners will win this game just due to the simple fact, no matter how they played the last two weeks. And can compare that to the way the Eagles have been playing, but just for some reason, I don't know why. I, I guess it's just blind faith. Usually, when the Eagles are they're pressed against the wall, they're they're backed up. They've 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 come out. They've come. they they're coming off like a demoralizing loss. And when the world is against them, somehow, some way, they end up finding a way to galvanize themselves and pull out a victory. I mean, honestly, I'll say this, this game, like, going into this game, this game kind of reminds me of the uh, November game in 2002 where Donovan McNabb got injured the the previous game against the Cardinals. He broke, um he had a broken ankle. So he was out, and Coy Detmer started. And, like I said I me, a lot of the pundits thought the 49ers were going to just kind of roll right past him. However... Corey and the Eagles, they they came out strong. They jumped to a big lead and Primus rode that to victory. And that was the game where Corey Detmer got himself broke off by busting up his elbow. But just overall, um this game coming up um coming up definitely kinda reminds me of that game. And so yeah, um I'm I'm a, like I said it's like I said, I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm operating off a of blind faith here. So, you know, I'm going to go Eagles 21, 49ers 20. Eagles win on the last second field goal. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. Okay, so welcome. Um, we have a special guest with us today. Um, she is interned at, for the Kansas City Chiefs as their field reporter. She has also had stints. Uh, with the Denver Nuggets, working as their associate producer and in-game um, in-game reporter. Now, she's working as the San Francisco 49ers senior senior team reporter, host of their pre- and post-game show, and host of their new weekly show that you can find on NBC, Bay Area Sports called Armchair Quarterback, and arguably, pound for pound, the best sister... My brother can never ask for. She's my role model. She's my inspiration. Please, everybody, welcome Keanu Martin. Hey, Key, how are you doing?
1: <laughs> that was the greatest introduction I think I've ever had. <laughs> <Thank
0: you. laughs> hey, only the best. O- only the best for you. So um, how's, how's everything going?
1: Everything is good. Just uh, getting all the news around the league, which is obviously, you know, shocking and alarming to all those. Whether you play, you work for a team, you cover a team. Or you're a fan, so just dealing with that and just hoping that things do smooth over, so all of us can enjoy a full 16 game season.
0: Yeah, that's the thing, right? That's the thing right now is that um, a lot of fans and also teams they're, they're they're pretty concerned about, especially with all this COVID going on, and how, and, and what are the, what are the league's plans going forward? Um, I'm definitely interested to see what's going to happen within the next couple days.
1: Yeah, and uh, selfishly, I mean, of course. Players' health comes first. Uh, that's first and foremost. Even as a fan watching, if you want to see uh, guys out there healthy, but also uh, it raises a lot of questions for your fantasy squads. What yeah. these situations? It's something that we've never had to deal with, so it's just a unique time for everybody. And just wishing everybody, you know, good health and speedy recoveries.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I, I've seen um, over the, the last couple of hours that the league has talked about possibly. Re- reducing um, some of the games from 16 to 12 and placing some of these players in a modified bubble. Have you heard anything about that?
1: I haven't heard much. Nothing's come down from the league just yet. Me personally, okay. I think that would be very smart. Uh, you see the success that the NBA had no positive COVID taste. Uh, test. Right. So I think that's a great model for the NFL to follow if they want to have a full season.
0: Yeah, um, and I, I saw that on Pro Football Focus, and I was very intrigued by that. Um, I'm definitely wondering how and if if, if these teams are going to be able to actually pull this off. So yeah, it's going to be very interesting within the next couple weeks and couple months. I mean, in the efforts to save this season. So enough about that. Let's get into uh, to the big game tomorrow. My Philadelphia Eagles traveled to the Bay Area to face the team that you're reporting, the San Francisco 49ers. I know the team, the Niners, they, they definitely have had some injury concerns um, as of late, especially with their uh, their defensive linemen. Uh, can you give us kind of like an update on
1: that? Yeah. Well, oh, the biggest thing is the news of being without a guy like Nick Bosa. I mean, that's a guy that's irreplaceable, having a talent like that just in his second year. And it's unfortunate that his – short due to injury, but you're without a guy like Nick Bosa and also Solomon Thomas, another first rounder on the D-line, an interior D-lineman. 49ers are without both of them. So, in addition to that, you Ford in the mix who's dealing with some back and neck issues. That's pretty Mm -hmm. serious. It's something that you can't take lightly. Those are injuries that can last your entire lifetime. So, the team is extremely cautious with him and his health. So, you're without quite a bit of talent right there uh, along the D line, but uh, thankfully for this team, they've been—I mean—they dealt with injuries all last year. This is something that's not new to this team, so I—it's the next man up philosophy, and that reigns true with this team. That's what they did uh, the last couple of weeks, being without Bosa, being without D Ford, and seeing some of these lesser-known guys be able to step up.
0: Wow, definitely, definitely. And with that, and, and also with the the loss of the talent on, on the defensive line, how is the um, the secondary, adjusting without life, without Richard Sherman? Yes,
1: yeah, that's another uh, challenge this team is dealing with. The 49ers definitely call- injury bug early in the year being with our Richard Sherman. He's on short-term IR. He has a chance to return uh, next week when the 49ers face the Miami Dolphins. Nothing has been set in stone yet. Uh, that's one of those things you'll cross the bridge once you get to it. But it's not there, not only without a Richard Sherman, but they're without their other starting cornerback, Emmanuel Mosley, who's out due to a, he's in concussion protocol right now. In right. addition to him, our back is out Akella Witherspoon he's out while dealing with a hamstring injury. So that leaves the team relying on everyone might know him back from 2015, who was a pro bowl talent, Jason Barrett. We got to see what Jason was able to do last week, stepping up in essentially one of his first full games since I believe the 2017 season, 2018, 2017. It's been a really long time since he's last played a full game and, He was actually one of the highlights of the defense. He looked reminiscent of that 2015 Pro Bowl self. Don't want to put pressure on him. Um, But it was a great performance by him. I believe he allowed allowed two catches for a total of maybe four or nine yards. Wow. Um, So had a great game. So uh, Jason Verrett, a guy that the team is having to rely on. And then they're also having to rely opposite of him is Dante Johnson. He might not be that big, flashing name, but he's been with this team. He's one of the 49ers' longest-tenured veterans. He's been around for, to a couple of teams, but made his way back to the 49ers and seemed to like this guy. He knows this defense, and they have confidence that he can step up while they're out a number of cornerbacks.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, familiarity, especially with the defense being and having to jump in, during like during the season where there's a lot of injuries definitely key to sustaining um success along the defense um I, I mean you guys have definitely caught um, the injury bug just like us I mean we've lost so much talent um on our offense and defense um we we're, we're going to be without the majority of our wide receivers um our starting pretty much our starting wide receivers is going to be a combination of two rookies uh Quays Watt John uh John hightower along with uh Greg Ward. If you guys if you don't remember, uh, Greg Ward, he was definitely um pivotal in our uh, march to the playoffs in December. He's a he's a former college quarterback. Who's now a converted wide receiver? So those are gonna be our starting wide receivers tomorrow. Um we we've lost um Alshon Jeffrey, he's been out since last December with a foot injury. He's supposed to be back, I believe, during the Pittsburgh game. Well, possibly next week if the game does go on. Um, Deshaun Jackson is—he's um, kind of like a game time decision, but he's kind of more like on the doubtful side with a hamstring injury, along with um, JJ or Whiteside, who was our um, who was our uh, third round pick from two years. I'm sorry, our second round pick from two years ago. Um, he's gonna. He's also out with a lower body injury. So yeah, um, it's gonna be a battle of practice squad players, if you want to say, between our wide receivers and you your guys' defensive backs. So it's definitely gonna be very interesting. That's gonna be very key to the game. Um, I also, um I also do remember seeing George Kittle being active. Um, is that official?
1: Yeah, it's official. 49ers get George Kittle back. He's been out. Uh, working his way back from a cat—I'm sorry—a knee injury suffered in the season opener against the Arizona Cardinals, and he said he was ready to go in week two. He could have played the next week, but <laughs> Kyle Shanahan's not playing that. He said, "Let's let's ease our way back into this." But he talked about it last year. He said George is a guy that you just cannot keep off the field. He wants to be on that field, uh, any means necessary. And they said that they have to sometimes hold him back from himself. Uh, so that was one of those things have been out uh, two weeks ago against the Jets or last week against the Giants. 49ers wanting to err on the side of caution, especially dealing with that MetLife turf, which we know is a storyline from the yes. early in the season. Uh, but uh, All systems go for George Kittle. He is active, and it's not just George Kittle. The 49ers are also getting Debo Samuel making his season debut. He uh, His last game he played in was the Super Bowl. He suffered a stress fracture in his foot back in June and has been working his way back. And if anyone knows him or sees him on social media, he was running full speed sprints, maybe two months after his surgery, which was incredible. Mm. So he's been working hard to make his way back. So Nick Mullins, who will be under center on Sunday uh, has two new weapons uh, at his disposal.
0: Wow. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And um, and I, I definitely want to tackle the offense, um, especially with the loss of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. How is the, the offense They're adjusting to life without their signal caller and uh, Raheem, uh, Raheem Bolster?
1: Yeah, everyone, this, this entire team, not just the offense, they all love Jimmy Garoppolo. They, are, they have been a fan of him since he walked into the building back in 2017. and uh, But that doesn't change much. With having Nick under center. This team respects Nick. Um, left tackle Trent Williams was saying that he even took note of Nick before he was even a starter. He said he took note of his work ethic and how he was always into his books and always studying the game plan. And he said he basically carried himself as if he was a starter. So, this team, I, I mean, Nick played eight games back in 2018. He had to step in when Jimmy Garoppolo was out with that ACL, and then C.J. Beathard went out with injury and helped carry that team uh, at, towards the latter half of twenty. Someone who benefited greatly uh, was George Kittle because that's when he had his record-breaking season. So they already have a rapport. He does have some new weapons um, at his disposal. I mean, he it's his he's still you know building that rapport with Muhammad Sanu. Um, it's his first time. Working with Debo Samuel, he wasn't there during that season, so um, I'm sure they've worked out the kinks over the last two weeks. He's had two weeks to practice as if he is the starter, so um, I'm sure that was their focus heading into this week.
0: Wow, definitely. So, um, so as as a fan, or as um, somebody looking at um, from the outside looking in, what should Eagles fans look for? Like, kind of look at like, uh, or what should they expect? from Nick, uh, Nick Mullins come Sunday night?
1: You know what? That's, that's the big question. And there's still a lot of mystery. He, he's very well-versed in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And one thing that stood out to me about Nick, he said in his press conference when he had to step in for Jimmy back in week two, he said it's his fourth year in this offense under Kyle Shanahan. Mm. There's no excuse to why he cannot perform. And so, I mean, he took a lot of people by surprise. I don't think many people expected Nick Mullins to come out and have the performance he did against the Giants last week. And so there's a lot of trust in him. What can Philadelphia fans expect? I wish I could tell you, but um, I I just a – a new Nick Mullins, not necessarily what you saw in 2018. Uh, he's had time under Kyle Shanahan, time to learn this offense, time to take reps behind Jimmy Garoppolo, so uh, he'll look hopefully what how he looked uh, last week against the Giants.
0: Definitely. Um, and and I, I, and before we even started, I was trying to do. I was trying to think like, and something has has the Eagle ever faced Nick Mullins? I can't really remember. Um, off the top, if they've ever faced him before, so um, yeah, this will this no. will be this yeah, would be is- a this will be a new a new um, a new quarterback that that they'll face, and so hey, it's let's let's see what happens. I mean, like I said, I me, mean, it's a battle of practice squad players and and and. Backups um, going in on Sunday, so um, I wanted to go back to the defense. Uh, one of the things that um, that I saw that that might be a little bit concerning is that, like the last two games against the Giants and the Jets, um, the defense has only had three sacks within the last two games. Um, how much is like the lack of uh, pass rush a concern to the um, to the coaching staff?
1: Um, you know. I, this team has prided themselves on being able to generate those pressures. And we've seen those, the, those pressures coming from these younger guys, like a Javon Kinlaw, a first-round pick, and he's still developing, and he's coming into his own. And you look at some of these newer guys, and these are a lot of new pieces being placed. Along this D-line, Ziggy Ans is a new guy. We haven't seen much from him just yet. He had a few snaps as they were easing him into the defense um, this past week against the Giants. Um, but the team is able to generate those pressures and force quarterbacks into uncomfortable situations. Now, no, Sam Darnold and um, Daniel Jones aren't a Kyler Murray, but they both can – be, they can be mobile quarterbacks. They can use their legs, and that's been something that the 49ers have struggled with in the past. So uh, their focus going into Sunday night is being able to contain their quarterback, contain a quarterback, um, and not let him get out of the pocket and get loose because that's when this team starts to struggle.
0: Yeah, because um, one of the things that I've been a promote, um I've been very high on, and I've been, in a sense, and kind of what kind of – that the was in making the playoffs last year was rolling Carson Wentz out of the pocket. And that's that's usually when he's at his best and when he's rolling out the pocket. And he's able to make plays and extend plays. Um, As I don't know if you saw, like, some of the game last week with, um, of the tie against the Bengals. One of the things that I was kind of happy about was that Carson – what did he started to use his leg a lot more than he has been in the last couple weeks? So I really think that's going to be a key. Is that if Carson can extend extend the plays and maybe use his legs to maybe get a couple of first downs, that may be something that may be able to assist the Eagles in their struggling offense. Um, with two consecutive victories over the Jets and Giants, what is the team's approach coming into this game tomorrow night?
1: Uh, when you think about games like this and, you know, record aside, the Eagles are a good team. You, you cannot discount the talent that they have despite the record. And I think a lot of people get caught up in this is a 0 and one team and you cannot take your foot off the gas. And the 49ers saw that happen a couple of times last year coming out of um, their East Coast road trips and then coming home and putting up lackluster performances we saw that against the Falcons last year mm. that the 49ers absolutely should have beat but didn't didn't come out they didn't have that fire in them that we've seen in games past so uh, I, I believe that this team their focus is on not st- keeping that momentum going and especially when you look at what this NFC West looks like you definitely have to be competitive and I and I would say this the toughest division in the NFL right now when you're looking at what Seattle's doing Arizona and then it's even the Rams the Rams are even looking like they've they've got their footing um, so I think this team is they know that they have to stay competitive um, so that's more than likely their mindset heading into this game against the Eagles
0: yeah definitely um, and that's one of the things that I definitely looking at with this team with the well, with the um with the Niners is that especially how rough the NFC West is um and especially like since they sustained a lot of injuries, would they be able to kind of maintain maintain where they are and maintain where they are in the standing because as you can see the teams in that division have definitely improved such as the Rams and the Cardinals just to just to to complement what the Niners are about. And which are those two those are the two top teams in that division so yeah it's definitely important for them to to definitely try to stay close especially while um a lot of their their star power their stars are out so um overall um how do the players feel about the eagles as a team going into this game
1: well they were talking to the media earlier this week and They had nothing but high praise for every single player that was mentioned, whether that be Carson Wentz, their O-line, D-line. This team is aware that this is still, at the end of the day, a professional football team. And like I said earlier, record aside, it's a good team. And you look at the Eagles' defense and what they did last week to Joe Burrow, eight sacks and 18 quarterback hits. They're very mindful of that, and I'm sure they've been watching plenty of tape and and analyzing ways that they can continue to keep Nick Mullins upright and make plays. So they're not discounting the Eagles. They know that they are definitely a good football team and a team that can win and should have won a few more games this year. So um, I I would just – I believe that this team is – they're aware, and uh, they will be taking that into consideration on Sunday.
0: Definitely, definitely. How, um, overall, how are the players in the organization ad- adjusted to life without the fans?
1: It's different, it's very, very different. Um, a lot of the guys have been saying, you know, that first game you, you think about when there's a big run or there's a sack or there's something you, you're used to having that, that crowd to pump you up, especially third downs on defense. You look for that home field advantage, and right? There's they don't have that anymore. So when you talk to the guys, they are trying to figure out ways that they can adjust and not just that, but continue to keep that energy all game long. They feed and what what's really missed in the game of football is the energy that the fans bring. The players say that all the time, like that's something that you just cannot take for granted. You cannot replicate. I don't care how many decibels of crowd noise that there is inside of a stadium. You cannot replicate the energy that the fans bring. So I believe like after that first game of this is very bizarre, but we're going to have to get used to it. I feel like that is now, all right, we've got over that hurdle. And that, that jump of, okay, this is what it's going to be like. Let's adjust and let's move on. So it's certainly different. It's even different for me being out there, but um, I think this is just across the league. You're here to play a game. You're paid to play a game. Uh, Fans are not. So you got to make do.
0: Wow, definitely. Um, as as, as the, um, the 49ers senior reporter, are, are you are you at the games?
1: So I'm at every home game. Because okay. of COVID, uh, road games, I'm no longer traveling. Typically in the past, I would. So uh, home games, I'm there in the press box covering the match.
0: And as a, as a team reporter, I mean, is it eerie kind of not being around the fans and not just soaking up the actual game day
1: atmosphere? For myself, I would say, yes, it might be a little different for some other reporters, but that's because a lot of my game day responsibilities was fan interaction, uh, game entertainment. So I'm on the field and a lot of my job is interacting with fans. We would host trivia during, you know, quarter breaks. Um, we recognize military members and things like that. And so we no longer have that element of game day. So that's definitely different. And then hosting my pregame show, I'm talking about a game are preparing for a game that's about to be played right behind me, but there's no fans in the crowd. It almost feels as if it's a scrimmage or it's a practice. It doesn't really even feel like it's a real game. It's a, it's a bizarre feeling, um, but I, it's not thankfully, but since I'm in the press box, my focus is so much on the game that I don't necessarily forget that fans are there, but I feel like my focus is such on the game that I'm not as impacted by it as I would be. But it's definitely unique, and I—I I think I speak for every single person uh, that's on the football side that they miss fans being in the buildings.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and I felt the same way. And as a fan, and wa- watching the game, yeah, and. I definitely felt that it was more – I felt kind of more like a scrimmage game because you can hear so, too, so much of the players' interaction in their talk and, and talking on the field. Mm-hmm. And actually, and, and actually, when you speak to, with a player, I mean, a lot of times they, they really don't – they really don't realize that the fans are there, especially while they're in the heat of, heat of the moment or the heat of the game. It's more like – they kind of hear the fans maybe afterwards, but not like actually while they're playing. So um, I, um, I, I definitely don't want um, to take, take up all your time. So, and I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I just have one last question I definitely want to get to is that what, uh, what is the team, what, what are the players thoughts on like the current climate of, of our country and kind of like, what are like their social justice uh, messages that have been to the fans and into the communities?
1: Yeah. So a lot of these guys are taking the opportunity to use their platforms to promote messages. And I think that's one of the benefits that a lot of athletes have this time in this day and age compared to years prior. Uh, They can with a following of millions of people, their voice, they have highly influential voices. And I think it's great that a lot of these guys are using that to for their benefit and to promote positive messaging one of the guys who has been huge um on the social justice front um is eric armstead 49ers defensive lineman and he even during his press conferences he meets with the media just about every week and before he even allows a member of the media to ask him a question he highlights a different area of social justice of educational inequalities and he talks about why is it important, ways for people to get involved, and just being able to do that to so the many people who are listening um, and paying attention to him and being able to spread awareness and uh, use his platform for good. It's absolutely incredible. I know a lot of the guys are promoting voting. Um, we have our full back set that he, he's, a, I believe, 25, 26, maybe a little older, but he said this is his first time voting. He never voted in the past.
0: And, and Is that is that you, uh, you checked on uh, the fullback?
1: Yep, Kyle Juszczyk. And, and okay. he said he's never voted before. And he said, but this is the year that I'm going to do it. And if he's going to go out and do it, everybody else should. Um, our another defensive lineman, interior guy, knows Taft Jones. He came to his media availability with a shirt that read vote across it. And he was asked, you know, we like your shirt. You know, what was the importance of wearing that? And spreading that message and he was basically saying so many people have opinions on a number of things especially in this political climate for lack of a better term but and he's saying if you did not vote or are not voting shut up just Mm. straight up shut up you don't have a right to complain and he's absolutely right and these guys are encouraging people to go out um for changes not just as the presidential candidates but local um local um elections and uh the, i i really applaud this team it's a number of guys i know i didn't mention all of them but there are a number of guys who are using their platforms for good whether it's political whether it's Educational inequalities, whether it's social justice, um, this team is really uh, banding together to promote positive messages.
0: And you know what? It, that's And that's one of the things I definitely do applaud the 49ers um, and, the, and, and not just the players, but also their, their organization. I know, like in the past, they caught a lot of uh, slack from the whole Kaepernick situation, but um, I, I do, I, I have seen that they, they've tried, they definitely have. Um, tried to rectify that that situation as well as um, like they' like their stance on everything that's been going on in terms of social justice so no hats off to them And another thing I'll definitely I was definitely happy to see especially when uh, I believe um, I believe a fan had wrote had sent some uh, some negative remarks to yeah. um, about George Kittle's injury, I believe, to Cardinal safety Antoine Bethea, I believe. It was Buda um, Baker, yeah. it was Buda Baker, I'm sorry, it was Buda Baker, and I, I like how the 49ers uh, as a team, as a franchise, they stood up and they condemned um that that type of behavior which is which is great that stuff that you like to see so
1: yeah and that's uh, something that i think was what's important to know about that is that's not something that a social media department came up with and said hey let's put out a message this came from all the way from the top saying hey this isn't okay and we need to make sure fans understand and know that is not a representation of this organization and i honestly applaud um this entire organization for you know, coming down on the situation and going into a search to find out who this person is and banning them from oh. all events at Levi Stadium. So oh wow, they're, they're, oh
0: wow, they was able to find them and ban them. Oh wow,
1: yeah, that that was their goal to find this person, whoever had this tweet, and that is the goal. They do not tolerate that, and and I think that's a great gesture. A, not just a gesture; it, it's a great it's a great emphasis on not allowing things like this to happen. And it's not just, this isn't the first incident this has happened. I, I think something happened with Cam Newton many years ago right. saying something off the wall, but um, I, I honestly, I, I applaud the organization for jumping in and uh, saying something.
0: No, very good, very good. Yeah, um, I'm. I, I, I was like I said, I was definitely excited when I saw that, and no, and that that's actually um a good representation of the Niners and their their organization to say something, instead of kind of like in a sense, kind of taking a taking a re um not in a in a sense just not just sitting back and just kind of just kind of um pressing it under the rug so no great job by him so no with that being said hey um i really appreciate you coming on and talking about this game uh should be a very great and entertaining game um hopefully my eagles will win but hey we'll see what happens but um for all those who are listening hey where where can they find you if they want um um, get more information and intel about the 49ers where can they find you at
1: not sure if many Eagles fans want to know more about the 49ers, <laughs> but hey, if you want to follow another team in the NFC, um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. My ad is at Kiana Martin TV. K E I A N A Martin TV.
0: All right, all right. So, no, like I say once again, hey, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, good luck tomorrow in your in your broadcast and the pre post game show. Um, like I, like I said earlier, hey everybody. She also does have a weekly show called um, uh, Armchair QB, so definitely tune in and tune in and listen to that. So with that being said, Kiana, thank you so much. I love you, and I will talk to you soon.
1: Love you too, and good luck tomorrow.
0: All right, bye, bye. See ya. So once again, I just want to say thanks to Kiana Martin for coming on to the Eagles Zone Podcast. Um, to drop some knowledge on the Niners and kind of give us a kind of like what to expect from this team and the the type of game that we should expect going forward on Sunday night. Uh, so with that being said, want to say thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Eagles Zone podcast. You can hit me up on uh, the Eagles Zone podcast at gmail.com. If you got any questions about, or you want um, to throw your input about the game, how you feel about the game last week should Doug have, should have kicked the ball and just kind of just your, your overall feel of this football team going forward and how should we, regardless, win or lose. I mean, how should we approach the rest of the season? So, yeah, let me know what you guys think. Um, like I said, and if you also, hey, leave a review, leave those five stars or whatever, uh, whatever you feel that I deserve. Hey, I really appreciate it if you do. That kind of helps kind of elevate the show. And so with that being said, I'm your man K-Mart. I'll catch you with you later. Peace.